before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. You're about to listen to a special preview edition of the Grant Williams podcast featuring uh, Bloomberg columnist and author Zeke Foulkes, who has just published a terrific new book, Number Go Up, which looks into the crypto ecosystem. And uh, some of the stories he has to tell are wildly entertaining and really do capture a moment in time. So without any further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Zeke Foulkes. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, The Narrative Game, This Week in Doom, Shifts Happen, and the new series Chaos Theory is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go, Hmm. So, if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you'd like more high-quality content like it, then please head over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And now... On with the show. Zeke, thank you so much for joining me. I cannot tell you how delighted I am to have a chance to talk about this magnificent book with you. Thank you, Grant. Great to be here. Everybody listening to this podcast knows my view on crypto. I've been skeptical about it all along. And more than anything, it's just not for me. As my friend Tony Dean said, it's just not suitable for me. And so I've watched it with a jaundiced eye. But the, the one thing that I, I really did pay attention to and I wrote about and I did podcasts about was Tether. And that's, of course, how you started your journey. So, so let's begin with Tether because everything to me begins and ends with Tether somehow. H- how did that come across your radar? And how did that journey go from covering that to then thinking there's a book in this? I'm a longtime investigative reporter at Bloomberg, and my specialty is people who make a lot of money in interesting ways. When I say interesting, I actually mean ways that might land you in prison later. But <laughs> I don't like to lead. I don't like to lead with that because I'm hoping that my goal is to get these people to talk with me and to tell me about the interesting ways that they made money. So I really like people who operate in gray areas. And I've written a lot about new ways of loan sharking that are legal, penny stock schemes, and online marketing tricks. I love that world. Like every shark on Shark Tank says, buy this weight loss pill. A whole world of people who've made fortunes on things like that. And so my friends would often tell me, crypto is great for you. You got to get into crypto and start writing about these crypto guys. But I resisted because I really like a scheme that's a little bit complicated where I can trace the money from one shell company to the next or like read the legal contracts and figure out exactly why they think their form of loan sharking won't land them in trouble like gangsters used to get in trouble. And so (laughs) these crypto guys, they're just saying, buy my coin. And then everyone buys the coin and it goes up. And also the way they said buy my coin, they kept saying it again and again. It was getting annoying. I just didn't want to be part of that world. But then my editor at Business Week came by my desk and he said, what do you think about stable coins? And the biggest stable coin is Tether. At that time, Tether had more than $50 billion. If you're not familiar with it, what what a stable coin is, is it's a coin 
that's always worth a dollar because it's backed by real dollars in the bank. And the idea is that you send Tether the company, say $1,000, and then you receive 1,000 Tether tokens, each of them worth a dollar, that are now on the blockchain. And you can zap these around the world, use them to gamble at different crypto exchanges. But there's a promise, which is that if one day you send your 1,000 Tether tokens back to Tether the company, they will give you back your $1,000. And they've kept that $1,000 safe somewhere. And so when I started looking into it, there were 50 billion Tether tokens outstanding. And that meant that Tether was supposed to have 50 billion real dollars. And that's enough that would make them one of the top 50 banks in the US. But Tether, the company, was not saying where this $50 billion was. And in fact, a lot of people were speculating, maybe it doesn't exist. Could these tokens be backed by nothing? So I thought, this is a pretty good mystery. I could go try and look for these $50 billion and see what I can find. It doesn't involve any knowledge of blockchain. I don't need to write an explanation of how Bitcoin mining works. I'm just going to go look for these $50 billion and see what I turn up. My other objection to crypto was that some of it just seemed a little silly. Maybe that it wasn't important to the real world. But at the time when I started looking into Tether, just that summer, the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, had called a meeting of all the top financial regulators. And the topic of the meeting had been Tether. Do they have the money? What if they don't? Could this crash crypto markets? Could it spill over into regular financial markets? So the stakes were high. The mystery seemed solvable. And as soon as I dove in, I started meeting all sorts of really strange characters. The cast of characters in the Tether story is, you know, from Devasini to Brock Pierce to Shalapan. I mean, there are, there are so many fascinating characters. I mean, it seems like everybody is a character. Paolo Arduino, you know, all these guys are just almost like cartoon characters, right? It, once, you, once you get into that world, you know, it's a stable coin, but where do you find a stable central character who's just normal that you can try and work around? So how, how did you go about taking all those disparate personalities and trying to be serious about it at first and think, this can't be how this whole thing works. These can't be the people in charge of $50 billion. How did you put that aside and say, okay, this is a serious investigation I need to do here? It was clear people cared. There was a lot of interest. So... One of the first stops on the investigation was, luckily, it was 2021, and the COVID restrictions were lifting, and there was a big Bitcoin conference in Miami, Bitcoin 2021. Pretty much anyone who is anybody in crypto flew in for this. So I came in, I'm thinking, I'll set up meetings with anyone who might know about Tether, anyone who's done business with Tether. And what this meant was I ended up meeting some of the biggest players in crypto, because Tether is at the center of the crypto world. Pretty much anyone who's big into crypto does a lot of business with Tether. One of the first people I met was Alex Mashinsky, who ran a company called Celsius Network. And I, spoiler alert, he's, he's since been arrested and charged with a massive fraud. But I did not know that would happen. So I'm sitting with him. He's actually like one of the biggest names and most legit people in crypto at the time. And when speaking with someone, I don't just come out and say, hey, what's with this Tether thing? Do you have any clues about whether it's a scam or not? I have to say, like, all right, tell me about your company. Uh, so Mashinsky says, all right, I have this thing called Celsius Network. It's amazing. He always wore these T-shirts that said, unbank yourself. And his pitch was that banks were a scam. 
Celsius Network's awesome. And he said, just get crypto, deposit it at Celsius Network. We'll pay 5, 10, 15% interest, depending on what coin you give us. And he said that if, if I wanted a loan from Celsius, he would charge as little as 0% interest. So I'm thinking, this plan sounds terrible. This is like a backwards business plan. My child wouldn't even suggest this. But I need to be polite because hopefully he's got some clues about Tether. And so I ask him, so like, how much money do you have under management at Celsius with this terrible plan? I don't say that part. Right, um, that's, the, that's the internal dialogue, yeah, right. Yes, and he says, $20 billion. I mark in my notebook, need to investigate this Celsius guy when you get back to New York. But then we start talking about Tether. And he says, oh yeah, Tether, they're great. They actually lent me 1 billion Tethers. I pay them 6% interest on this loan. And I'm thinking, first of all, amazing that you're telling me this new information that as far as I can tell, nobody knows. And then also, it was a Bitcoin-backed loan. And he says, don't worry, there's lots of collateral, it's totally safe. But I'm thinking, the original pitch for Tether was, we take your money, we stick it in the bank somewhere. Now I'm hearing about a billion Tether loan to something that sounds like itself is a Ponzi scheme. Like, this sounds very bad. And this was right at the beginning of my research. So I'm like, okay, you got to keep going. And at that same conference, I met with a young man who had flown in to celebrate the renaming of the Miami Heat NBA arena after his exchange, FTX. Another person I didn't know that much about, he wasn't that famous yet. We sit down, he's got this big mess of curly hair, he's wearing a FTX t-shirt, khaki shorts, tapping his legs like crazy. This is Sam Bankman fried He's 29 years old, he's worth $20 billion, he's done all kinds of business with Tether, he's the biggest user of Tether out there. And he starts answering some questions about it, because one of the questions was, is anyone actually sending Tether real money to get these Tether tokens? And Sam says, yes, like I send them real money. I wire it here, I wire it there. It's a little wonky, but I do send them billions of real dollars. Then he also tells me, yeah, like I may be one of the richest guys in the world, but it actually all just started when I was a teenager. I was thinking about becoming like an animal rights activist, but then this philosopher told me it'd be better if I just got rich and gave all the money away. And uh, now here I am renaming the NBA arena I got to get back to Hong Kong soon because the stuff I do at my crypto exchange would be illegal in the U.S. So like another entry in the notebook, this Sam Bakeman fried guy, this might be worth a story too. So when I get back to New York, I told my editor I was very wrong to resist crypto as a topic. It's a great topic. And once I'm done with this Tether story, I have four other people that we should look into. And what I realized now is that there was this whole crypto media ecosystem. There's all these crypto publications, podcasts, huge for crypto. And those people were looking at everything from like inside the crypto world perspective that wasn't really that understandable for someone in the outside world. And a lot of them are like cheerleaders for crypto too. The mainstream press, at least at that time, was still mostly dismissing crypto as kind of a curiosity. I was like, if we take this more seriously and look at who's making real money here, this could be a great topic for me. And so I published one Tether story in Business Week 
which I remember was superb. Oh, thanks. And I, I had a lot of fun doing it. The punchline with that was we found out The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.